Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to A Slob Comes Clean, the podcast. I am Dana K. White. As I figure out ways to keep my own home under control, I share the truth about cleaning and organizing strategies that actually work in real life for real people, people who don't love cleaning and organizing. Thanks for joining me today. This is podcast number 339, and I think I'm going to call it Breaking Through the Overthinking on Clutter. A Q&A. So I am going to be answering questions from a form that I put out over on YouTube. I can link to it here too, where I will do live Q&As over there. But I thought I would answer some of these questions here on our last podcast before the summer break. So just a reminder, please make sure that you um, subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app or platform that you like to listen. Um, you can also subscribe to my newsletter at aslobkemsclean.com slash newsletter. And that's the one thing that does continue to go out over the summer. So because I'm scheduling it before the summer. <laughs> anyway. All right. Here we go. First question. I have four kids, ages 9 to 15. We have an endless collection of owner's manuals for their mass of stuff. Simple question, do you keep them? And if so, how do you store? I feel like the answer should be no, don't keep them. But I'm thinking forward to when I want to sell or pass the item on. Okay, so uh, a lot of these questions that I'm answering today, the people kind of answered them themselves, which I think is really interesting that, uh, you know, that's why I'm calling this overthinking because there are so many times where you're like, I have a question. I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but I'm not doing anything because I'm stuck because I don't trust my answer because I'm thinking of all these other possibilities. So I'm going to ask a lady on the internet <laughs> anyway. So I'm not, I'm not making fun. I'm saying like, I get it. Like I get the whole overthinking thing. So let's talk about how to break through this overthinking thing. Okay. Simple question. Do I keep them? Generally, no, I don't. But I also don't have this hard and fast rule. You better throw away every owner's manual that comes into our house. I, I just find myself in the middle of a decluttering project going, eh, I'm just gonna throw this away. So here are some ways for you to break through this for yourself. We're going to hope that my voice is better at some point. Anyway, I am recording this early um, so that I can be done earlier than when this podcast actually comes out. Um, so, but man, this, this throat thing isn't hanging on, right? All right. So no, I don't keep them as a rule, but how do I store when I do keep them? I generally keep them right by the stuff, like wherever games are, the owner's manuals are in there with the games. Okay. So, and I'm, I'm specifically thinking of video game systems, uh, because I don't really know what else there would be for maybe Legos. I guess Legos have instruction books that are kind of important, but I would generally like put it with that item. So uh, here, here's what I would say. Okay. Your reason is that you're thinking forward to when you want to sell or pass the item on. Okay. Um, if you're passing it on, 
I think there is not a huge expectation if somebody is getting something for free that it's going to include every single piece like that. And so what I might do if this is hanging you up, okay, let's break through the overthinking and do the Google search, right? I'm not going to do it for you because I don't know exactly what it is that you're talking about. And I think the key here is that so many times a quick search will answer these issues that you have in your mind of, should I keep this or should I not? All right. So look it up. See, is there an online version of this that someone would be able to find if they needed it? If you're wanting to sell it, look it up on eBay. I'm not saying sell it on eBay. I'm just saying eBay is such a great resource for breaking through so many of these delusions because you, or these issues, whatever you can look through, um, look for exactly the same thing that it is that you're thinking about selling. You can sort it according to completed listings. That's key. It does not matter the ones that people put up there, it matters the ones that actually sold. One thing this may do, let's say that you have a a game system. And that game system, you know, right now, you look it up, and it's like, oh, those don't actually sell for that much. Well, they're going to sell for even less the longer that time goes on, right? I'm not saying that as a fact, I don't know game systems, blah, 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 whatever. But I would assume that whether that's correct or not. But that game system you're, you're going to find out, oh, this may, this isn't even worth me selling. So if I don't want to keep it, then I'm not going to worry about, you know, keeping these things for someone in the future, right? It's like, I'm only going to worry about the use that we're getting out of it because these don't actually sell for much. But also what you can do is say, okay, the ones look, let's say that some of them sold for a lot and some of them sold for almost nothing was the difference that it had the user manual or not. If the difference of like, let's say a hundred dollars difference was the ones with user manuals, those actually sold for a lot of money. The ones without them either didn't sell or so I'm, I'm just making this up, but I'm saying like this kind of a quick Google search often can break through these endless questions that go in your mind. But what if, what if this, what if that you can generally find that out if you think, well, I would never sell it online, but I might, you know, sell it at GameStop or whatever call GameStop, ask them, how important is it that we have these user manuals or not? Okay. So search and see if it, if it is that, and this is probably not the answer that you want, but I'm saying, I think a lot of people here maybe don't have this exact same situation as far as selling things that your, your kids have that have user manuals. But I'm guessing a lot of us have similar situations where we're like, what if, I don't know, what's the best way, blah, blah, blah. So many times a quick phone call, even though y'all, I am, I am the person who despises making phone calls as much or more than anyone. I, I mean, like we all, nobody likes it these days, right? I'm sure there are some people who do, but even though we don't like doing that, it's like, yeah, I, it's, it's like ripping off a bandaid, right? I mean, it's that, it's that I will do this thing that I despise doing for two minutes and I will find out information that is going to free me from a big, huge stress. And it's like, that is worth it to do, you know, to, to let me move forward. All right. Here is one that has a lot of overthinking in it that I completely understand. So as I say these things, please know I am never making fun, y'all. I get it. I get it. And I love that people feel comfortable asking me these questions 
that sometimes it's like, okay, what is wrong with me? Why am I asking? Why am I so, this is kind of a head explosion one, but let's go ahead and talk through it. So that's them asking this question with two O's. So it's like a, so I commented on the other video and was feeling like I was doing so good with my progress, but with four T's now I'm like, why can't I get rid of my Barbies? Listen, I'll be 35 this month. I do think, well, maybe I could benefit using that space for something else or leaving it empty. They hold sentimental value in the sense that one of them was given to me by my godfather the last time I saw him and then he passed away. My parents didn't buy me many things during my childhood. So they're about the only toys I played with as a kid other than three. Anyway, um, they are not in unopened packages. I keep them, six of them, in a hat box container where I have space for them. But I keep thinking about that Swedish death technique. Like if I die and someone else goes through my stuff, they're going to be like, why did she keep this? And I don't have kids. I'm not holding on to it in case I have kids. They bring me happy memories. Um, she talked about, you know, looking on eBay, seeing what she could sell, uh, what parts of it. Um, but I'm probably not going to do that, she says, because it's more effort than I'd like to invest my time in. Anyway, so as you can see, there's a lot of back and forth thinking here. Okay, so let's break through it. And let's say, okay, how can you make this decision? If you want to know what I say, if, if the question is, can I keep my Barbies, which is not really, she said, why can't I get rid of my Barbies? I'm going to say, you said that you have space for it. They're in a contained area. Um, yeah, keep them if you want to keep them. Like, stop feeling guilty about it. So I know some people like to talk about the Swedish death thing. I, and it's, I think it's a book, um, Swedish death cleaning. I have not read it. I'm not against you reading it. I mean, if it helps you, if that's a way that it helps you to get rid of stuff and break through some things, then absolutely you should read it. I haven't read it. Y'all know I don't read other people's decluttering books because I'm always afraid I'll like steal something from them or have the same thing and then feel like I stole it or stole it, stole it. Oh my goodness. Y'all. I was an English major. Um, anyway, but, but I don't, don't stress about it. I mean, like people are going to find stuff when you die. They're going to find stuff when I die. I mean, my kids, they can get their own book deals writing about stuff that I, their mother who talked about decluttering on the internet, they can get their own book deals exposing what all they found when I die. I mean, I mean, like, I'm just not worried about that. Like, okay. I guarantee you. Even the person whose house has been under control and perfect their whole entire life, people are going to find stuff in there that they're like, why did they keep this? Uh, you know, because at that point, who knows? We don't know your your reason, your rationale. It's your thing. If you want to keep it, keep it. But also, if you want to get rid of it, get rid of it. I, I mean, like, either way, the head explosion thing, if it keeps your head from exploding to just say, I'm going to keep this and not feel bad about it, then do that. If it keeps your head from exploding to stick it in a donate box and let it go, then do that. Like, like there is not a right or wrong answer here because you said you have the space for it. It would be a different story if you move into a home that doesn't have room for these six Barbies and you kept those instead of having a pot to cook in. I mean, like that would be a different story. But but 
just thinking about what would someone think about why I kept these. Honestly, nice people are going to be like, oh, I bet these meant a lot to her. I I mean, like, let go of that. But there's also the option of keeping one and maybe displaying it and saying, this means a lot to me. This is part of my identity. If you love it, if it makes you happy, then display one of them or keep them all. I don't care. I mean, really, truly, you're you're fine here. But when you find yourself overthinking, realize that it's the overthinking that's the problem, not the Barbies necessarily, okay? If you have space for it, it's not keeping you from living your right now life, then you need to stop feeling guilty about it and get rid of them if you want to get rid of them, but keep them if you want to keep them, okay? But also know it's possible to keep one and let the other five go if if that would help you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp Projects. So many projects. Taking care of all the things gets overwhelming. So when I get that feeling of overwhelm, I know I need to take steps to make my mental well-being a priority. Having someone to talk to, like a better help therapist, can really help. This time of year is always busy, but with my youngest child graduating from high school, we have lots of extra projects that need my attention. I know from experience that these are the times when it feels extra helpful and essential to talk through my emotions with my therapist. BetterHelp makes it easy to connect with a licensed therapist. The online platform simplifies the process. It's accessible and affordable. After answering a short questionnaire, you can choose whether you prefer to meet via phone call, video, or live chat, and you can plan your sessions at your convenience to suit your schedule. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash clean today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash clean. Y'all know I am all about identifying what things you can do to make overwhelming tasks possible. Buying a home or selling a home can be completely overwhelming. Finding just the right realtor can make the whole process so much easier. That's why I want to tell you about Redfin. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations. So finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. See something you like? Book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards your next home. I know firsthand what a difference having the right real estate agent can make. We would have been lost without ours when we bought our current home and sold our old home a couple of years ago. Download the Redfin app to get started. I am one of five children, again, 
This is a question. It's not me. I'm one of five children. Youngest is 24. And my mom has saved a lot of our childhood creative projects, like stories that we've written. She doesn't really want to keep them, but can't let them go. I don't know how I feel about keeping, getting rid of them either. How can we get rid of them without feeling sad or horrible about it? Thought about taking pictures, but that doesn't seem to be the right solution for us. Your books and podcasts have helped me so much. I found you when I was seven to eight months pregnant and trying to make space for my first baby. Hearing you talk through how your brain works has helped me understand myself more and has helped me get unstuck in my seriously cluttered home. Okay. So, um, so you're one of five children and your mom has saved a lot of childhood creative projects like stories that you've written. First thing I would say is take away the pressure of solving this for the whole family. Okay. Um, I, I don't have enough information here to know, but, um, whatever you feel about this as someone who has really true, who thinks the way that I do, I'm so sorry about that, (laughs) but someone whose brain works like mine, it can feel like I can't do anything unless I solve the whole entire problem for the whole family. When that's not necessarily true, what you can do is say, Hey mom, you don't want to keep these. I'll take them and then make your own decision on your own stuff, which would be according to what you have learned by listening, watching the YouTube videos. So if if you've learned a lot, then you know, okay, you said you read the books, you know about the container concept. Okay. And you say, this is the space that I have in my home for stuff that, you know, is, is stuff from my childhood. This is what I have. I have this folder, or I have this memory box from my childhood. And so you take those things off your mom's hands so that she is not stressing about it because it seems to be stressing you that it's stressing her. You take yours and you say, I'm going to keep, I'm going to put my favorite ones in my memory box and whatever doesn't fit, I'm going to let it go. And just that action helps to sort out, oh, this is a story that I remember writing. You know, I personally, I remember writing, and I think it's in my memory box. I remember writing a story about finding a bird's nest with my friend because we, we thought we were just a, a bird's nest that had fallen out of a thing. We thought we had saved these baby birds. And I remember writing that. I remember being proud of it. I remember the teacher being like, you know, this is such a good story, Dana, you should be a writer or whatever. I mean, like, I remember that story. So that's one that would go into the memory box. And yet, there are other ones that I don't remember at all that don't have any of that. And it's like, okay, I can remember that I enjoyed writing as a child from this story. These other ones that don't bring about memories, those I can let go. But having a defined limited space to put these in, that's what helps me make that sorting. Okay. That's what helps me sort out. These are the ones that are important to me. These are the ones that are not as important or not important at all to me. Okay. But break through the overthinking. Don't think that this has to be your thing to solve for the entire family. Instead, just your mom will have less if you let her give you your creative projects. And very possibly that will help her go, hey, your sister, 
has taken her stuff. I'm really kind of ready to get rid of these things and give them to you. Your sister took hers. Do you want yours? I'm guessing that out of the five children, there are going to be one or two who say, yeah, I don't want that stuff. And you can just get rid of it, mom, because you don't want it. I'm good. And there may be others who are like, no, mom, I can't. You can't control any of that. You're the one focusing on your house. So let it go and be like, well, if my mom, if this helps her get rid of three-fifths of the five children's worth of childhood creative projects, then she has less in her house. And maybe that's going to be less stress for her. Okay. Um, But yeah, I hope that makes sense. All right. Next question. This is in reference to children and clutter threshold. I have four small children. Again, this is not me. This is the question. Six, four, three, and nine months. And I know their stuff needs to be more under my clutter threshold instead of theirs. Now that the rest of the house is manageable, their stuff doesn't overwhelm me as much, but I want them to learn the habit and joy of keeping things tidy. I can't just get rid of everything so they have nothing to clean since it seems no matter how much I declutter, it's still hard for them to pick up without direction. Do you think the best thing is to just go in there with them every day and keep trying to help them learn how to put things away as soon as they're done with them by picking it all up? Or would one five-minute pickup a day teach them better or multiple pickups with double question marks, which is a clear sign of overthinking, right? Okay. So here's the thing. I think you are you are so far because you've realized that their stuff needs to be under your clutter threshold. So ultimately this comes down to of of these three choices that you've thought of, which one works better for you? I mean, the reality is they're six, four, three, and nine months. So the the truth is they are going to need your direction. Okay. The six-year-old a little bit less than the four-year-old and the four-year-old a little bit less than the three-year-old also depending on personalities that could all be different. Um, but whatever is best for you, because they are at an age where they are going to need direction on this, whichever one you prefer is the one to do. Okay. Because if you feel like it's under your clutter threshold and under your makes mothering easier for you and and makes you happier to do multiple pickups, then that's what you should do. Okay. Uh, Also know that over time, this is probably going to change. You know, there will be a time where these same kids are 10, eight, I'm doing math in my head, seven and whatever. (laughs) Anyway, um, And it'll be different. You know, at that point, they're going to have maybe some different uh, toys. They're going to be used to what you've been doing. Maybe at that point, you know, a a different one of these options would be better for you. Okay. And work better for you. But yes, you you are going to have to be in there with them, helping them. Okay. At this age, you are going to, and, and helping them doesn't mean doing it for them. It just means keeping them on task, keeping them to this point until it gets to the point where, oh, wow, they can actually do this. Uh, But yeah, you know, there's also when they get to the age where they can do it on their own, then there will be times where you have to go back in there because there then are sibling dynamics and different personalities in there and all that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, just do the one Pick one for now. See if it works. If it doesn't, try the other one. You've already got three ideas. You've got three ways to try. And then know that when the one that works for a year and a half and you're like, this is it. This is the way we're going to do things for the rest of your life. When that stops working, 
change to the other one. It's okay. I know one of the things, um, I don't remember what it was, but I remember it being a huge moment for me. So there's a lady called, um, I know her name is Laura from Org Junkie. She was uh, the one who used to do menu plan, and I, she maybe still does it, but menu plan Monday that I used to participate in. It was one of the first things that I would do when I uh, first started blogging back in 2009. And so she loves organizing. Like she's so organized and she loves like bins and all that kind of stuff. And I remember her writing casually this post where she said something about, okay, this way that we used to handle toothbrushes or something in the bathroom isn't working anymore. So I'm trying this now. And I remember being like, wait a minute. She loves organizing. She focuses on organizing. She writes about organizing. And something that was a solution that worked for her doesn't work for her anymore. And so she just changed. And I was like, you can do that. (laughs) I was like, wait a minute. So it's not that I have failed because what worked for a while isn't working anymore. I mean, just seeing her as an organized person do that, say that, I was like, okay, that is incredibly encouraging to me to know that, especially with kids, it's not me that has failed as a mother because this thing that was working, now my kids, it's not working anymore. I just have to come up with a way, find another way that works for now. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. All right, next one. Now, this one's an interesting one. It's been a long time since I've lived with roommates. Okay, here we go. I live with roommates. What should I do when where I would look for something first is somewhere I can't put things because it is communal space? And what should I do now that my section of the kitchen really is decluttered, but the kitchen is often unusable because of their stuff and dishes? All right. First of all, roommate situations are tough. I mean, they, they just are. And I'm going to say something that some of y'all are going to go, that is horrible for you to give that as an answer because it's just unrealistic for a lot of people, but I am going to say it anyway. Now, when I had roommates, other than, you know, my husband, my family, that kind of thing. But when I had roommates, remember, I was the incredibly messy person and did not get it under control at that point. But the best roommate situations I ever had were the situations was when I lived in Thailand and we had a maid, you know? And so I'm like, I, I I know that for a lot of people, that's not something that, that works. And yet I don't know what your situation is. So I'm going to put it out there that maybe that's something you could approach and say, Hey, can we each put in X amount of dollars per month to have somebody come in twice a month and clean. I don't know, but it really, really helped. (laughs) Anyway, uh, as far as this goes that, you know, like where I would look for something first is somewhere I can't put things. Um, That's kind of, you know, along the same lines of when people say, but where I would look for it first is on the coffee table and that's not where it should actually go. Um, In those cases, you say, okay, this isn't an option, even though technically, yes, I would look for this in the middle of the floor. That's not an option if I need my house to get in, to be under control. For you, it's not an option because that's not a space that I can put my things. So knowing that the communal area is not where I can look for it, then where would I look for it first? Okay, if it was put away in the spaces that I have the option to actually put something. Okay, 
So just kind of realize that sometimes that where would I look for it first if that space is not actually an option for a house that's out under control or for a house for in, in your situation, just take that out of the equation. Okay. Now, as far as your section of the kitchen being decluttered, but the kitchen's often unusable because of their stuff and dishes. So I did have a situation at one point where I, you know, and, and this is one of those things that, um, well, okay, I'll just say what I did. This was back in the 90s. I, I did have a situation where, you know, it was already, I was not great at keeping things under control either. And then I had a roommate. I'm not sure if it was her or her boyfriend, but anyway, would use all the dishes. And and so I w- it would constantly be every single dish was used and dirty. And so I, those dishes were mine. And so I packed them away and I bought paper plates and plastic cups and put those in there. And I just kind of was like, okay, you know, hey, I bought these. I would love for you to use these because that was the only thing that I could do in that situation. So ideally, you know, I mean, if if you have a situation where you can have a meeting and say, hey, you know, the kitchen's not usable because of, you know, stuff and dishes. Can we get a routine? Can we get a, you know, a, a chore chart, whatever. But then at the same time, you're the one who's asking this. So you may have to be the one to actually set it up and to, you know, whatever. Can we, can we each pick a chore and I'll do dishes if everybody else, you know, does these other things. I don't know. It's, it's just, you're not in an ideal situation, but you do the best that you can. Perhaps your roommates are going to be like, um, I'm not okay with using paper plates and plastic cups because of environmental reasons. Well, the reason I took my stuff away and am putting these things, you know, out there for you, you to use is that the dishes are always dirty and that keeps me from being able to. So it's kind of like that keeps me from being able to use the kitchen. So, you know, the other thing might be for you to have your own. <laughs> this is me thinking through this, you know, but sometimes it's like, here's the ideal we would all work together as roommates and everybody would do their part and blah, blah, blah. We don't live in an ideal world. Roommate situations are rarely ideal. So what can you do? Well, you know, a a plastic tub that just has your cup, your plate, your um, pot and pan that you typically use and say, okay, these are the things that I am going to wash it. I'm going to get one of those, you know, dish soap in the handle dish scrubbers and these are my things. And I wash just those individual items. And then I put them back in my little dish tub and I take my dish tub back to my room so that I always have clean dishes. And that's, you know, something I'm able to function and and use that. And I know this is not ideal. I know this is not people often are like, well, how do I change people? I don't know how to change people. Literally, I have, I have hard enough time changing myself, you know? So it's like, what can you do that would make this actually doable and possible. Okay, I know. What's the simplest thing that you can do, all right? Hold up, what was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. As a military kid, again, this is them, not me, we decluttered every two to four years. Now, as an adult, I have lived in the same house for 16 years it might be 18 and I don't have my glasses on and have grown a family in it. I found my limits and have been using your methods on decluttering my things first. It works. My problem comes when I make space from decluttering my things and feel I've made it easily manageable or found my clutter threshold. The other four people in my home think it's more space for their stuff subconsciously. I think, how do I keep those spaces from being invaded by their clutter? Do I start declutter training with them while I am still trying to overhaul my clutter? Okay. So I think here, again, you're an adult. I'm making some assumptions that you are the mother in this situation. I'm not for sure. But in this situation, you know, you are working on your own stuff. You have seen improvement in your home. Okay. I get it when now people are, you know, randomly putting their stuff in your spaces the the best thing to do before you have anything under control, before you've done anything is start working on those five minute pickups as a family. Okay. So you've grown a family. So I am assuming this. So we're going to do a five minute pickup because a lot of times these things that are drifting into spaces are actually just things that need to be put, picked up and put away. Right. So I don't know that people are necessarily saying, okay, oh, here's an empty space. I am now going to put a bookshelf here and pile it with my stuff on purpose. Instead, it maybe is stuff that's drifting. So dealing with the drift, you do that with a five minute pickup. So, so, and it's perfectly fine to do that before you are perfect before, which you're never going to be perfect anyway. Sorry, bad news. But before you do that, go ahead and work on those five minute pickups. And those five minute pickups are decluttering training for everybody. Okay. Because as they pick something up and don't know what to do with it, then you ask them, well, where would you look for it first? Okay. That's where you take it now because that's what needs to be its home. And that just, I don't know where this goes where would you look for it first? Practicing that question is decluttering training. Okay. Um, and, and just let those five minute pickups first, you, you know, if, if it's a family and you're the mom and you used to have things out of control and have way too much stuff, they may not believe you at first that a five minute pickup is really only going to be five minutes and is not getting ready for grandma to come over. Okay. But, you know, set the timer for five minutes. We're going to pick things up and put them away for five minutes. You will probably just be directing in that. But as you do that, you are declutter training so that you are working on those spaces that have been cleared and keeping other people's stuff from drifting in there. Okay. So work on those five minute pickups. Oh, here's a funny one. Now that you've moved, do you feel you're tending a little bit towards minimalism? <laughs> thinking of the things you still haven't unpacked and are thinking they might as well be purged. Okay. So um, I am going to say that there are a lot of people on the internet who wish that I would teach minimalism, who wish that I would call myself a minimalist. I sometimes think this is an overthinking issue. 
Okay. And also, if you all know anything about me, which you do, if you listen to the podcast, you know, I don't like to be told what to do. <laughs> like it's, if you want me to call myself a minimalist so that I can serve your purposes, I will do everything I can to never call myself a minimalist. I don't call myself a minimalist because I do. I, my goal is not to have as little stuff as I can have. My goal is to have my house be under control. And the way that I have my house be under control is to accept the realities of the spaces that I have and only keep what needs to be in that space. Now, am I trying to have less stuff in my bedroom? Do I, is my bedroom kind of bare because I didn't bring my, my chest of drawers over with me? I, my dresser. Um, yeah, it kind of is. Am I embracing that? Yes, I kind of am, but I am not calling myself a minimalism. So if you want to say, oh, she's trending a little bit more toward minimalism, that's great if that helps you. But the reason I don't call myself a minimalist is that is a very specific category and it generally does not serve the person who I'm here to serve because so few people are serving. And that is the person who has been a lifelong maximalist not that that's a word, but maybe it is, has been a lifelong maximalist, maximumist, whatever, and is like, how do I even get started? I am here for the breaking through when you're completely overwhelmed. And so my goal is not minimalism. My goal is feeling in control of my house. Okay. So, but am I really focused on not just arbitrarily sticking stuff in places? Absolutely I am. Okay. Am I more focused on not keeping things just for the sake of keeping them? Yes. I'm trying to give everything a home, which is one of the reasons that I haven't unpacked all my boxes. There are still a few. And because I, I, I don't want to take something out and just stick it somewhere, you know, just say, okay, well, this is going to just get shoved in that closet. Instead, I'm like, I'd rather it sit in the box until I, have the time and the mental ability, you know, to say, okay, where would I look for this first? I'm going to take it to that specific actual spot. And if I don't have a specific actual spot for it, then I'm going to let it go, you know? So, because that is how my house stays under control. I know what I have. I know where it is when I am putting things very specifically and very purposely in the place where I would look for it first. Okay. Because I think here, here's the problem with I mean, obviously, a lot of y'all do consider yourself minimalists and you listen to me. I love Dawn, the minimal mom. She loves minimalism. We are so on the same wavelength on so much stuff. I don't embrace and call myself a minimalist because, first of all, I just am not. Um, I can keep whatever I want to keep, even if it has no purpose, as long as it has a place in my house. Like, as long as, you know, I can keep what I want to keep. Yeah, anyway. Um, but I think it's because thinking that the only answer to my clutter problem, my house being out of control is to become a minimalist is self-defeating for a lot of people who are in a situation where they have so much stuff and their house is completely out of control. They've got so much stuff. Because when when you think the answer has to be minimalism, it's like, I can't even picture between where I am now and minimalism. Like, how would I ever, or you think, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be ruthless. And you're like, okay, I'm going to dive in today. I'm going to get rid of 90% of my stuff. And then you get there and you run across things that you're like, 
well, I can't get rid of this. I can't. Get, okay. And then it just feels defeating and you stop. Okay. So, so that's why I don't teach minimalism or call myself a minimalist or even, I don't, I don't think of myself as a minimalist. Okay. How should you deal with stuff you are saving for a future garage sale? Okay. So on this one, I'm just going to say, I don't do garage sales anymore, but I'm not going to tell you don't have garage sales. Okay. If that's what you need to do to be able to get rid of your stuff, then do it. But what I will say is how do you deal with the stuff you're saving? Well, you designate a space in your home. Maybe that's your garage and you take things there now that are for the garage sale and that space is limited. Okay. So that means that once that space that you have to devote to stuff that's coming, that you're going to put in a garage sale and that does not use up space that you need for your right now life, like, like to park your car in there during the hot summer or whatever, that space is limited. So once that space is full, you need to have a garage sale. Okay. And if you're not actually willing to have the garage sale, then you need to donate that stuff. Okay. Because that space is limited and let that space, what, whatever it is, let that limit of that space that does not encroach on your right now life. Or let's say you don't have any room in your house to put toward stuff for, you know, a garage sale. Well, then it may be your reality that you need to donate instead because you just don't have space to store stuff for a future garage sale. Or you say, okay, well, but I have to have a garage sale. I can't, I can't bear the thought of donating this stuff. Okay. Well, then maybe you need to have a garage sale this Saturday so that the stuff you're piling in the living room to be ready for the garage sale, which I'm saying garage. And if you have a garage, then you should put it in the garage, but you know what I mean? The stuff that I'm putting there. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and call the local newspaper and get my garage sale in there. I'm going to go ahead and post it in the Facebook groups where I know in my area is where people look for, you know, garage sale listings. I'm going to go ahead and get this on the calendar officially, not just in your head, officially on the calendar so that there is an actual deadline to, you know, for how long stuff is just going to sit in my living room or whatever. Okay. All right. We got time for one more question. Hello from Berlin, Germany. I have some chronic illnesses that keep me bedridden at least once a week and sometimes a whole week at a time. I'm sorry. During that time, my husband takes care of everything, our two small children, his job, and the chores. We live in a very small two-bedroom apartment, and the living area, kitchen, dining room, and living room is one small space. I've been decluttering for some time now, and your advice has made a huge difference in our household. I've been trying to keep the dishes done at least once a day, but when it's his responsibility, I'm assuming when you are bedridden, uh, he prefers to wait until there are no clean dishes to take care of them usually during the weekend. It's such a small space. It's a game changer. When I'm in my worst, my home looks horrible and it makes me feel even worse. Do you have any advice on how to convince him to do a little bit every day instead of letting the place go terrible and spend the weekends cleaning? Okay. So your husband is your husband, not a roommate. So it's not the exact same situation. All right. But I would have, it sounds like he's awesome, right? Like he's taking care of everything while you are bedridden. Okay. So we are going to give him the applause and tell him we're so thankful for everything that he does. Okay. But have the conversation and then say, Hey, I have realized because I've been listening to this crazy American from Texas. Okay. I have been listening to her and she talks about this thing called dishes math. 
And I have really seen that, you know, when I'm feeling good, it's like, I'm shocked that it only takes 10 minutes to do one day's worth of dishes, you know, so you can have that conversation. If that's not a conversation that you feel like you can have, or if you have it and it doesn't make any sense, I would, when you're feeling better, I would work on decluttering dishes so that there's just not as many dishes, you know, like you have so few dishes that the running out point happens before the kitchen is out of control. Okay. I love Don said this recently, Don from Minimal Mom, which by the way, Take Your House Back is open on an ongoing basis now. So you can join it anytime. Takeyourhouseback.com. But she talks about, she's like, you know, I just, I've just decluttered dishes down to the point where it's not a thing I have to think about all the time. It's just that even when every single dish is dirty, there's just so few dishes that it's the kitchen's never out of control. So work on decluttering the dishes on that. Um, you might also go with the disposable stuff and, and just say, Hey, when I'm bedridden, just to make things easier on you and then on me when I feel better and, you know, and I'm going to get back to doing the dishes just to keep the kitchen under control when I'm bedridden, use um, you know, these, these disposable things, which there's part of me that goes, I don't know. I know other countries don't even allow disposable things, whatever, but it definitely would be an option to super duper declutter the dishes for that purpose. Cause if you're doing them every day, then you don't need that many, right? Like that's what I found. We don't need hardly anywhere near as many dishes as we used to have when I was doing them, finally doing them every day. Okay. I'm going to stop there and um, tell you that I hope you have an amazing summer. I hope that our time away from one another. Anyway, uh, don't forget, if you want to be a patron of the show, that is something that kind of can keep you on track, can keep you focused over the summer. We have such a lovely group of people. I know you guys know a lot of them from having done their strategy sessions here on the podcast, Uh, but you can go to patreon.com slash a slob comes clean. If you'd like to know more about um, joining us there, being part of this super secret Facebook group, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash a slob comes clean. Okay. All right. So that's it. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast and I will talk to y'all again in August. Bye.